Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. All right, welcome to a new season of Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids already. It's January 2022 right now. So my name is Robin Robertson, and if you're just joining me for the first time, welcome. I'm the creator and host of this podcast, Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, and I am a home-educating mom with hopes, dreams, failures, and doubts, just like you. So today, actually, I just wanted to share a little story as an introduction to this new season. When we began homeschooling, I actually didn't feel too worried, and I'll tell you why. It's because when we began, I thought we were only going to homeschool for six months. We left school halfway through the school year, and the teachers and staff were fully on board with what we were going to do, with an excursion like we were going to do. They thought it was a great idea for everyone, and especially for the kids. So they gave us the materials we needed and the work to finish out the rest of the school year which was like the math textbook and the reading lessons, the reading and grammar lessons that they, that they used. And we went on our way. We decided to homeschool because we decided to go traveling with our kids. And homeschooling was the easiest option. It was actually my husband's idea. My husband, who had homeschooled as a kid from probably about age, I'm trying to think, grade three to grade eight or so, maybe a little bit younger, And he was the one who said, hey, we can just homeschool them. It won't be a problem. So that's what we did. We had decided as well at first to relocate to Jamaica, where my father and the rest of my father's family lives. And so we thought, well, if we go there, you know, it won't be that much of a big change for us because, you know, we'd been there often enough with the kids. We have family and a strong network of family there to support us and to be with us. And hey, it's beautiful and warm. You know, we live in Canada, we're Canadian. And so Canada is not really known for its tropical weather. So we were looking forward to, to the island for sure. And we figured that this also could be a little bit of a trial. And we thought if, you know, Jamaica would be an easier starting place for us. And if it didn't work, then we would know. And we could always just go back home. We could return home back to where we were. And I also thought, you know, there we have the support and help from family. We already had friends and we had friends that were planning to come and visit as well. And I had all the materials and work that the kids needed to keep on par with their classmates. As well, we were consciously taking time to reconnect with what was important to us, our family. Because our last couple of years had felt overwhelming. We felt like we were running the wheel faster and faster and getting nowhere. You know, it's funny, I actually still recognize that I still hold my breath sometimes when I say that, when I'm remembering that. But we come to a point where we recognize this 
and we were making efforts to change things. And this was one of the steps along the way to find adventure again, because we felt that we had always followed a fairly adventurous life. So why stop? Why not continue? Because this other life that we were living, I I loved my work. I loved the school. Um, I loved my boss. I, I, you know, the family and friends around us are fantastic. Absolutely. But there was still something that we, I think there was still some values that we wanted to rekindle and bring back again. And we wanted more of our life practices to blend with those values. So we began our homeschooling journey, which really we just thought was a family journey. And it was wonderful. You know, I was relaxed and having fun. Each day really was beautiful to wake up to. And most of all, our kids were happy and joyful. They felt warm and loved and content because their parents felt that way as well. And as for the schoolwork, well, it was a bit of a surprise, you know, because we finished all of the work we brought with us really quickly, like very quickly, even though we had only set aside a few hours each morning. And we had a strict rule that when lunchtime came around, we put all the schoolwork away. Afternoons were just for play and exploring and free time. And I realized after that, that when the day's not segmented into time modules or subjects where you start and stop and have to put stuff away, even if you're not done yet, and when you just have your own children you're working with, not 16 to 25 other kids, things can get done pretty quickly, even when you spend extra time on certain things. So with the schoolwork complete, I had to look for other things to do or create and build into our mornings. You know, back then my kids were still young. When we began, my oldest was six and my youngest was three at the time. So I recognized that I didn't need to pound in another curriculum or heavy work into them. I, I definitely already recognized the power of play. But the other thing I recognized was the exuberant joy that they had every day. And really wasn't that enough, especially at that age. So we did things like we created our own number line with paper that stretched all around the room, and then we hung that up and kept that up. And it was a fun activity that we did together. And and yeah, we could practice counting, skip counting, counting by twos, fives, tens, recognizing numbers. All of that came into that, and we could make it as colorful and artful as we wanted, which we did. We painted a lot. We listened to music while we painted. We painted outside. We painted on the deck in the sunshine. We found shells and rocks and took pieces of pasta to count and group and order. And we had an iPad and we used at that time iBooks a lot because where we were living, we didn't really have access to a fully equipped library or bookstore even. And the options were pretty limited. So when it came to books, we just made do with iBooks on the iPad. And it also worked well because it was an introduction to narrated stories. So if my kids wanted to listen to a story on, the, on their own, they could. They would just press the narration and, you know, and tap the screen and it would turn the page. But it was really my kids that began to take the lead. You know, it was the birds that they noticed every morning that sat in the same spot at the same time of day. And they were asking, what kind of birds are those? Are those always the same ones that come every day? You know, it was the things that they would point out on our walks around the neighborhood, the time they spent with their grandpa going out on errands with him or helping him around the house or the kitchen. 
It was a fish that they would notice that came out only in a specific time of the day, of the day when we were at the beach. And why? Why then? And what kind were we? Were they? So we would research or we'd look for books or Google things that, you know, answers to their questions because I couldn't answer those questions. I didn't know. So I found out along with them. And that's what it became. We learned together. And we would read stories about the island. You know, Jamaica has rich, strong history so much. And if you don't already know, I definitely recommend learning about Jamaican history. We visited sites and monuments as much as we could as well, even places that were just down the road from us as well. And along with that, we would draw out maps so that we could better understand where we were, where we were going to visit, and things like how far away is Auntie Madge's house and our cousins from Papa Keith, for example, from our place, and how many parishes are there in between. I also recognize now, looking back, that with all of the schoolwork, and that's in quotations complete, what it did was it left time to play and explore. And it left time for me to observe, watch, and listen. Because what happened was I wasn't busy or too occupied trying to pile other things onto their day or their learning, quote-unquote, learning time that someone else deemed important for them to know then. There was a space to listen and allow these questions to be asked and explored. And so things began to evolve and take shape in their learning that way. And I didn't feel that they were learning any less. I didn't because they were so excited. Their curiosity grew and they would hit the pillow hard every night to wake up early the next morning and do it all over again. So I began to question, of course, are students like this all the time at school? You know, I didn't think so, not from my memory or from my experience. So why not? Was it just the age? And as they grew older or got older, you know, should I be making my kids do other things? Do they need to know certain things at a certain time? Would they be missing out? If not, are they losing out? Are they losing out an opportunity? And what else should I be doing? What else should they be doing? You know, it's because we fit all these other must-dos and and things that we think they should learn when they get older, is it because we force a lot of the stuff that they begin to lose that curiosity that we actually no longer allow space for curiosity? And is that the way that learning really works? You know, it's interesting, I think now back to our, you know, our learning when we lived in Jamaica and we learned the, you know, learning the geography and where we were and talking about the history and, you know, obviously food surrounded us, uh, surrounded us and families surrounded us. They would have never learned those. That's not part of the curriculum in Canada, but it was still important and it's still relatable for them because that's part of who they are. So are they learning less? (laughs) Because if they stayed in Canada, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe on the weekends or when we visited, visited Jamaica, maybe we would talk about those things or do those things, discuss those things, but I'm not even sure. Maybe we just would have been, you know, took that time to do nothing at all, but it was still, it's still important. It still is important and it's not any less important because it's not on the curriculum where we live. 
So I just want everyone to think about that too. There, depending where you are, and I know listeners tune in from all over the world. I, I know because I get to see the stats on the back end. I get to check, okay, where, you know, what countries were tuning in on this month or these episodes. And I can see, I can see when it's Lithuania, Pakistan, India, Nigeria, South Africa, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the UK, so many countries. Those are just a few. But think of what maybe kids are learning in each of those countries or in the countries you're in, a country you're in, and most likely they are not going to be covering those same things in the country over. You know, what we're learning here in Canada or even in this province where I live in Alberta is not going to be the same south in Montana or Utah in the United States, which is just next door. For the kids in Mexico, it's not going to be the same. If we continue down onto Guatemala and through Central America, I don't think that seven-year-olds in grade two in, say, I don't know, Bolivia, I don't think that they'll be learning about Inuit here in Canada. They And I, think, I don't think that what students in Bolivia are learning all through elementary school is really going to cross over here into Canada. So as much as we think it has to be vital that they have to learn a certain thing, uh, you know, do they? You know, what is, what is important and vital for them to learn? So after our quote-unquote honeymoon, and actually what, what I mean by that is after, you know, the ease and after life looked less and less like school, you know, the questions, fears, and concerns pop up, of course. And I was doing it in a way that I had never done before. And that's a bit unsettling, you know, that I didn't know others that had done it that way either. Or maybe I did, and I just didn't get it or see it at the time. So I wanted to talk to others and see what other homeschool kids were like. I wanted to get some answers and some ideas. I wanted to know that I wasn't, like, alone on this. (laughs) That I wasn't, you know, the whole thing, are we messing up our kids? That's a big question, right? And am I, as a parent, responsible for that? So I emailed homeschoolers I knew before and tried to contact, you know, contact them, hoping that I would hear back. I searched online. And at that time, which was nine years ago, right, there was not the information that was that's accessible now. I Googled, I searched, I emailed, I tried to connect with Facebook groups because after Jamaica, we moved to South Korea. And, oh, man, I, I searched and I searched and I looked and things started to come together. And I started to hear about stories from others that they were doing things like we were doing. And from others that also weren't doing things like us, that were different. But guess what? I still learn from everyone, whether they were, their home learning looks like ours or if it looks completely different. I still learn from each one. You know, I had a friend that was getting into classical homeschooling and another that said that they were more of an unschooler. And I asked questions as to like, what does classical homeschooling look like? And unschooling, what, what is that? I'd never heard of that. And I was intrigued with it all. And then there was a book that was recommended and I went home and I ordered it on my Kindle. I think we were living in Korea that time. And I read it all in one night. It was Lori Pickard's Project Based Homeschooling. And I continued my quest and I was like, okay, this book, I get it. It resonates with me. So I found that the homeschooling books that I would read, I devoured them. And the books that were recommended to me by educators, like how to get your child's writing 
on point at this time or, you know, different technical books like that. They differed so much. And what happened was the homeschooling books, they spoke to me. They spoke to my family and what the home learning environment was like, what I was experiencing, very different from the classroom and school environment. And the other books were felt tedious and boring and monotonous. You know, I read project-based homeschooling in one night, but for example, the other book that was recommended to me on writing, I could barely get through the first few chapters in that in the first night. And that meant to me If I could barely get through a few chapters on that, then what would it look like for my kids when I was trying to implement this? Do I just trudge through because this is a high recommended reading to get kids to write and then force it on my kids and get them to trudge through because I had to trudge through it? What would happen to their joy on that? So slowly over the years, through experiences like those, this is how this podcast came to be. Podcasts were another form of research for me. And, you know, I would listen to homeschooling podcasts and unschooling podcasts, podcasts on learning and education, parenting, travel, family life, and I wanted more. And so it finally came down to me diving in and creating this podcast, this project, to really to get my questions answered, my fears eased, and stories told that I needed and wanted to hear. I knew from asking others that they also had similar fears and doubts and questions. So why not answer them all here? (laughs) Why not learn together here and be inspired together at this platform in this space? And it has been a learning process, a big one, and there's always more to learn. And each year we continue to grow and grow and grow. So I want to say thank you. Now, like tens of thousands of listeners every single month. So welcome to our sixth season of this podcast. So this season, we are diving into de-schooling more because, man, if it isn't an ongoing process, nine years and counted, counting for our family, and we're still de-schooling. You know, and if you're new to that kind of vocabulary, de-schooling, you're at the, wondering what it is. De-schooling is really rethinking, reflecting, and stepping away from the school ideas, the schoolish ideas and ways of thinking. That learning can only be done within a classroom in your desk with a teacher. That it has to be within certain walls. That it's within a certain time of day. That it has to be broken into certain subjects or certain curriculum. That kids should and can only learn things at a certain age and time. Many of the ideas we get from school, that then when we think and try and like logically think, think as adults when we're learning, you know, we don't necessarily learn that same way. So why do we think that learning can only look like it does in school? So it's like, you know, what do you usually do if you're planning to visit a new place or you're discovering something new? Most often, we take time to find out more about that space that we're in or that we're visiting or that we found, right? We observe, we ask questions, we explore the similarities and differences. So homeschooling is no different. You know, there is a period of adjustment from traditional school to homeschooling, and that period of adjustment is often referred to as de-schooling. So de-schooling is really taking that intentional step away from trying to replicate school at home 
and giving space for your whole entire family. So not just your kids, but you yourself, you as parents to adjust to the change. And the transition from school to learning at home can be an adjustment and understanding the freedom you now have, because that freedom, I get it, can be intimidating. It's a responsibility that can be intimidating. And after many years of having it all laid out for us, being told what to do and how to do it, and that if we follow this path, we'll be guaranteed these results, most of us have been thoroughly schooled. So de-schooling is overcoming that, those ideas and that conditioning that says that learning has to be done a certain way or has to look a certain way when in fact it doesn't. And it's overcoming that those ideas that our children have to look and create in a certain way when in fact they are as individual and different as we are. So de-schooling is an opportunity to play, explore, and connect as well with our children and with ourselves. It's a chance to actually heal to look at our own past and ideas on learning and our own experiences, our successes. What was learning in school like for you? Yes, I'm talking to you. What was it like for you? What were your successes? If you could do things over, what would it be and how would it be? What were your wins and what were your failures? If we really think about it, and then how does that come into our being and learning life today as adults, as parents with our kids? So de-schooling is taking that space and time as well to heal, to find joy, and a chance to get to know who our children and who we really are. And really, de-schooling means possibilities. It really is opening up for new possibilities. So I get a lot of questions on de-schooling. It's something actually in my master class we explore quite a bit, and we're going to explore it further in this season, because trust me, it does help. And I want to share things that help, have helped me on this journey, things that allow me to, I guess, take apart that process and understand it better for myself, and to also hear stories from others that are in the thick of de-schooling early on and through the later years. And just as a heads up, de-schooling then breaks down into many aspects of life, not just in our views and reflections of schooling. It's relooking at all parts of our learning lives and our, and our, our lives that we live It's looking at the resources we use, the way we spend our days, the way we view the world, society, structures, political structures, financial structures, money and how we live with that, the things we use and do and create, the way we move our bodies, the way we communicate and how it reflects onto all of our own lives. And just so you know, this isn't about, you know, you need to do this and you have to do this and you should only believe this way. We all come from different places, spaces, experiences, and backgrounds. So this means our period of growth and reflections will be different for each one of that. And I always try to honor that. And what I see, feel, or value, I know may be very different from the homeschooling family next door, for example, or from you. But what I do recognize that was what we still have is human connections. So just please keep that in mind. So this season, we're also going to be exploring more about the teen years as well, because as most of us continue to homeschool over these years, 
our kids have grown and have gotten older. And I know the community has grown, and there are many that I know have been around as well with me for a while. So many of us have young adults that have grown up homeschooled or unschooled or are in their own or learn, learned in their own way or have teens in the midst of it all. And, you know, that's where our family is at as well. So it's a continued exploration. And let me tell you, there have been so many discussions and questions that come up for us personally that I know others have too. So especially as we prepare our children, who are now young people, to enter the world, a world that still has a fairly rigid belief and idea about how things should be done and how young people should be viewed, you know, it's, it's a good discussion to have because what happens when your children don't fit any of those molds? How do we prepare and support our children for that and us as well as parents? So I'd also like to bring more data and research to you this year. Uh, I've already mentioned in this episode the project-based homeschooling. I will put that in my show notes uh, so you can go there and be connected easily. It's also listed on my, it's referenced on my resource page as well. There's another great site as well, the National Home Education Research Institute I think it's the N-H-E-R-I dot org. Uh, that is a great website. It is American. Um, I can't remember. They don't have a lot of international data, but it's still fantastic data. So if you're looking for more data, research, and reports on homeschooling, that's a great place to go as well. And I can add that in the show notes. And I would also love to hear more from you as to what you need, what you'd like to learn more about, and what will inspire you. And I'll definitely follow up with that too. So we've got some fantastic interviews that I have just been waiting in queue that will be coming up next week as well. Um, some past guests, some new guests, some of my favorites, and I'm really excited. And I also want to talk about some support that I have right now. So I'm going to be running my masterclass homeschool schooling with purpose again. It starts the end of January. So if you're interested in that, please email me. I can put you on the wait list. What we have is, you know, what I create is a very small, intimate masterclass. I intentionally keep it small so that we have the comfortable space to interact, to ask questions. Um, It is a fantastic place to feel supported, to get information and knowledge, and to help you have the tools to guide and support your family's learning journey and how it looks specifically unique for your family. And that's the purpose of that. It's not me saying you have to do this, 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 and this at a certain time in order to get this result by this time, because I know everyone's different, but it's going to give you the tools to kind of process through things and understand, okay, maybe this is where I'm at right now. And, you know, try, do I pull back? Do I move forward? And also how to look at your year and time ahead and create your own loose, you know, your loose structure or your loose plan that your family uh, needs, your flow that you can get into. And then what materials or resources that can support your family, your children in your learning environment as well. So really we meet over four weeks. Each we meet once a week for two hours at a time. And really, it's time live through Zoom, so you get direct interaction with me. We get to explore and answer questions. We talk about clarifying and getting clear on our values and guiding purpose, de-schooling, and all of those sticky points that we each encounter through that, and how to 
learn to walk ourselves through that process as well, as well looking and finding, creating resources and planning and looking ahead for our, for our family's learning year ahead. And the great questions that are really important to ask ourselves and our children so that we can build that communication and then find out, okay, this is going to work for us. We can try this and how to build out our environment as well so that it is connected and supportive and validating really so much. The other part as well is I still have continuous support. So an easy way as well to get on my email list, uh, just go to my website and subscribe to my emails where I usually share fairly personal stories or day-to-day things that we experience or tips that have really helped me uh, that have been timely. We have our clubhouse still every week. We meet, let me see, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday every week. Uh, so there's different hosts. I always host with Liana Saturday morning and on my own, or actually usually with Tyra Hunter and special guests on Tuesday. Uh, Liana Francisco and Kelly Edwards host on Monday and Allison hosts on Thursday. So it's different themes and topics, but it's a great compliment. It's a great discussion and inspiration and a place to get questions answered. The other thing that we have coming up as well is our How to Be an Awesome Homeschooler Homeschooler Summit. And that's in March of 2022. It's our second summit. The last one was so fantastic. Kelly and I from the 90-Minute School Day, we wanted to do it again. So we have our speakers confirmed. I'll announce those very soon. There's some amazing ones, let me tell you, um, along with Kelly and I too. And so we've got some amazing extras that we'll be adding in, and it will be a day of inspiration, building confidence, understanding, and hearing and connecting as well from those who have been in this for a while and those that are new to the journey too. So I will have links in my show notes. You can go there, uh, DM me on social media or email me if you have questions about the masterclass, uh, if you'd like to get on the wait list. And I am looking forward to the next episode and hearing from you all. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. 